Are you ready, ladies? Stand tall. Straighten those crowns and show them what you're made of. You're listening to the Farm Queen Podcast. Welcome back to the Farm Queen Podcast. This week we have Kelly from Quarry Brook Farm and she's got a fun story to tell us. They are a certified organic farm with grass-fed beef and lamb. They've got a CSA going. She has a beautiful perspective of, uh, I love how this is worded, plants, animals, and people working together. And she is very dedicated to environmental issues, carbon sequestering, climate change, all of these kinds of things, working the farm to benefit improving climate change. So she is just one heck of a woman for us to get to talk to this week. Kelly, welcome. If you would please take a few minutes to introduce yourself, tell us more about your farm, where you're located, tell us about a day in the life, that sort of thing. Sounds good. Um, yeah. Hi. I uh, my name is Kelly Kelly Christensen, and like you said, Quarry Brook Farms. We're in Sherburne, New York, which in just about in the center of the state. We're in northern Shenango County. Uh, it's a really pretty part of the world. We have uh, it's really hilly, really rocky, a lot of clay soils, a lot of rivers. So it's it's river and hill country. Um. Yeah, and like you already said, we raise grass-fed beef and lamb. It's grass-fed, grass-finished, um, certified organic. We've been certified since 2014 um, and did organic practices before that. We've got about 90 cattle. We've got about 120 sheep. We also have laying hens for organic eggs. We raised some garlic. We used to do a lot of fruities, um when we didn't have as much livestock, but we've you know, that kind of comes and goes depending on how much time we have. Um, the hope is to get more produce going a little bit every year. Um, but we've been in the middle of moving high tunnel for years and getting deer fence built. And just the animals are living, breathing, moving things that need attention every day. And they get most of our attention. So... We do raise some garlic and as much produce as time allows, but um, some years that's not very much. <laughs> we also, uh, we have guardian dogs that live with our sheep. Um, and that's that's something I really enjoy. That's an aspect of the farm that I would like to do more with. Um, and so we, we may have some like guardian dog puppies, some actual working puppies in our future, but we're not we're not quite there yet. So I think that's everything we raise. We also have, we have one awesome kiddo. So we say we raise, we raise one awesome human <laughs> as well. <laughs> that definitely does not sound like the smallest farm I've ever heard of. <laughs> you said it was 90 cows and 120 sheep or something like that. So yeah, yeah, we're, we pretty much have, we've, we're kind of maxed out at that amount, especially with the cattle for the amount of land base we have. We have a, we we have access to family land. We use we use family land, um, mm, and yeah, we've got that's about as many cattle as we can we can do, and not get any harder on our on our soils, especially for wintering. 
um, and not have to like buy in hay at a rate that's just not sustainable in a drought year. So we're pretty much maxed out with that, but we do have a fair amount of space and, um, um, yeah, but there's, there's two, two, my husband and myself, two people doing the actual like day-to-day labor. So that's what we have there is about what we can manage. I would say that sounds like a couple of people's days worth of work for sure. <laughs> for sure. So how is it that you guys ever got into farming? I mean, it sounds uh-huh. like if you're doing family land, it must be that there's some, some generational kind of thing going on there, but you personally, because not everybody grows up to say like, oh, I want to carry on the family farming thing. Like some people are like, get me out of here. <laughs> so what is it that had you guys keep going with it? Well, my husband, we use the the land that my husband grew up on, um, some of it anyway. And we've kind of expanded from that like first central little piece. Um, he, his family, his dad always raised food. They, you know, they just kind of raised enough for themselves um and he grew up eating that and then his um he went to school to do like soil and water conservation Hmm. was his first job and then just decided that he he'd like to farm so he came home and um started started farming here where he where he grew up and that was like 2007 he started doing that um and i also started farming in 2007 on a different farm in another end of the state and then we met a couple years later and um, eventually I moved here. It sounds like he got lucky getting a farm girl in the first place because you said you were at another farm before you came here but man I I can imagine what that conversation must have been like of like like it's a package deal take it or leave it. (laughs) Did it have 90 cows at that point or was it a little bit smaller? (laughs) No, it was definitely smaller. It was in the the growth stages. We actually, we met at an organic farming conference. Um, I was there with my, the farm I was working for at the time. Um, And we just happened to sit at the same table and um, then ended up talking to each other and realized that we'd, we'd been in a lot of the same places and kind of like crossed paths without realizing it. Um, and yeah, I just, I thought he was a nice guy and I thought he was, you know, doing, doing good things and moving in a direction that was, was interesting. And I was committed to the the farm I was working for that I was there with, um, for, for at least another season. So, um, we just, I wrote him a letter like, Hey, I think you're cute. (laughs) (laughs) And we just kept in touch and like visited as much as allowed and, um, just did kind of a distance get to know you thing for quite a while uh, before I finally, um, moved, moved over this way. That's a cute story. So for you personally, where did the farming itch start? Um, I, I don't know. I was born this way. I, (laughs) it really was like my favorite toys as a kid were all farm related. Um, my favorite books have always been farm related type of stuff. Um, I grew up in Western New York in Chautauqua County. Um, I grew up in like a little teeny weeny town that doesn't even have a post office. And, um, (laughs) parents, we, we had about 20 acres and my mom is a horse person. So we had horses, um, just, you know, just fun, nice horses. She did a little bit of showing. We did a little bit of trail riding, but mostly we just enjoyed their company. 
um, did some boarding. We, we, she took in boarders to kind of pay for her horse habit. So I had chores mm-hmm. at the age and a pony at an early age. And, um, yeah, it was, it was, I acknowledge it's a pretty cool way to get to grow up. Um, so I was lucky. There's a lot of privilege there with having like access to the animals and the outdoors. And, um, especially if you're a kid that wants to, wants to do that, you're born wanting to do that. It was really, really lucky that I kind of got plopped down in a place where I could exercise my curiosity about what was gone on outside. And, um, I, I don't know. I just, I loved being there. I loved being outside. I, we had horses and 20 acres, but I was always like, I want ducks and chickens and let's do other things. And there was always that little like itch to, to have more and do more things. And, um, I started a lot of different gardens over the years there. Um, I went to my senior prom with like really weird farmer's tan <laughs> that shows in the pictures because <laughs> I was the weekend before out like getting my garden started. <laughs> so um, I have farmer's tan in that photo. <laughs> and, That's amazing. Uh, so yeah, I just was always kind of drawn toward it and always going toward it. And um I don't know. It's just I, I think anytime, you know, growing up anytime like things were tough, you know, like you're a teenager, um, a kid, you know, just kinda having a rough time. I I really like the being outside or like going to spend time with the animals or take care of them or be in the barns and like take care of the barns where that was the place where I felt like taken in and taken care of and the most myself and really embraced. And so it just kind of from there really became important to me to like take really good care of those things in return. You know, like the earth took care of me, so I should take care of it. And these animals take care of me and are there for me when I need them. So it's right that I should do the same for them. I guess that's kind of how I got into it. So tell us a little bit more about um, your current farm, Quarry Brook Farm. Um, You've told us like what you raise and that kind of stuff, but being certified organic, that is definitely a little bit more effort in terms of kind of what you have to put into your farm to be certified organic. So can you tell us a little bit more about what made you guys decide to pursue the certification, what it takes to maintain it, that sort of kind of, you know, thought train, if you will? Yeah. Um, Well, we'd always, you know, we'd always done everything to organically and to organic standards. Um, We just, I don't know, all things are connected. So, you know, trying to farm in a way that leaves a place better than you found it and isn't just extracting and isn't just exploiting and is like recognizing that things go in circles and cycles and rely on each other and doing the best you can to not interrupt those cycles and circles while you're there uh, was important to us and so um organics like a good a good way we feel to demonstrate that we're paying attention to those things um mm-hmm. and I don't know that you need to be certified to to 
pay attention to those things, but we just, we feel like there's, you know, organic started as like a small movement for, for farmers who did care about that to tell the world something about themselves and their, their views and their practices. Um, and then it kind of caught on and it became a thing. And a lot of big companies bought into it because they saw growth in that, you know, market sector or whatever. And it kind of maybe like confused and diluted what it meant to be organic. And so since we were already doing things organically, we, we thought, why not just be certified um, and just kind of help keep, you know, small farms that people could come and talk to and get to know and farmers that they could meet at market um, who could, who could talk about what it meant to be organic and, and why they are. Um, the more we, we could do that and kind of, you know, keep some small farm skin in the game. Uh, we were willing to do that. And yeah, there, there is definitely extra work, uh, associated with it but a lot of that is is records that you're probably already keeping as a farm so you know the initial application was quite a bit of work and quite a bit of reading and, and record keeping and you know finding like where did I keep that where did I put that you know seed invoice from two years ago that shows that I bought organic seed already um, right. but once that's done it's it's really already records that you should you're probably keeping um, as a farm if you're you're running it as a business and you're trying to be profitable and be a business. So um, we haven't found it to be really that that hard. Um, and I guess if you know, like it is a regulated term, um, and so if it's going to continue to, to, to mean something and like if the word organic is going to have sort of a, a universal meaning to people and, and have that meaning remain fairly clear, there does need to maybe be some, some rules around it and some, some regulation around who gets to use it and when and how and what it means, because otherwise it's, it's like natural or all natural or, um, you know, grass fed, it can mean a different thing on every farm. Um, so I'm, I'm happy to like, you know, figure out what the, the standards are, figure out what the rules are, um, communicate them to people, apply them to our farm um, so that, you know, I can contribute to people having a clear understanding of what it does mean to be organic. Um, and there's definitely, I feel like a lot of, of misunderstanding about how, difficult it might be for a farm to be certified. Um, and that's something I kind of enjoy, you know, talking to people if they ask me like, oh, I hear you have to get rid of an animal or whatever if you treat it or this. And I, I enjoy um, just kind of getting to sort of educate about what it means to, to be certified and um, yeah, that's not, no, <laughs> that sounds like a question. really, you definitely did. That sounds like a really good opportunity, like you said, to to educate people, because I think that is, um, and I mean, you can feel free to take the time now to educate us a little, because that is a pretty common uh, belief is that like, if you have a breeding stock heifer and she gets sick and you need antibiotics and people are like, oh, well, it's not organic. So you can't like, you can either treat her and she's not organic and you lose your certification or you can, you know, remove her from your farm one way or another. So is that it sounds like that's maybe not actually 
quite the like the cold hard facts of it well or? it's it, for dairy you know if it's a, if it's a, a cow that's going to be milked and the milk's got to go into a tank i i believe mm-hmm. for for dairy animals that is you know if an animal's treated with right. the antibiotics that are prohibited and um of course you're going to treat your animal and give it what it needs but that does mean that she her like time on an organic farm as a certified organic animal producing certified organic milk is over and she would have right. to leave the farm and go somewhere where she's that's not a requirement right. um, for she's a livestock go, farm like be. us yeah. we can treat our animals it does make them not certified um so we have to be careful with record keeping you know, when we send an animal for processing, we have to say this animal is not organic. Um, so, and make sure mm. that there's organic claims on the label and, you know, that we're communicating to people, you know, this, this ground beef doesn't have an organic label because this particular animal scratched his eye and we put antibiotic ointment into it for three okay. days. So he's not organic, but he was still raised on our farm, still raised by us. Um, and some people most of the time people are fine with that but i'm i'm happy to be to be transparent about that um so to get back to like whether or not an animal has to leave if it's if it's treated um you can keep for a livestock farm you can keep animals that have been treated with antibiotics like they're no longer organic so you couldn't market any of their products as organic like their meat down the road mm-hmm. but you can keep them on the farm if it's especially if it's a female and you know later her offspring as long as she's not being treated while pregnant can be organic again later so you can keep her as oh. like a non-breeding animal um, so there is you know because if she gets treated like in 2010 with antibiotics that are prohibited, but in like 2012, two years later, has a calf that she was never treated during that that period of time. Um, makes sense that that animal could be organic. So, so is there? Um, there's like effectively a window of time where it's like I'll call it kind of like how there's milk withdrawal times and meat withdrawal times after an antibiotic dose in the dairy world and in in you know what you're doing the freezer trade and that sort of thing. There's, there's sort of like, if you wait long enough after, we'll say your breeding stock heifer has an antibiotics for whatever reason, whatever it might be for however long or however short she gets treated. It sounds like if she gets treated, like you said, in 2010 or something, then you wait a certain amount of time and then her offspring, she's not organic anymore, but any of her offspring would still be considered organic. And that would be. Yes. As long as she's not treated, you know, they have to be from the, the last third of pregnancy right. on they have to be managed organically so that means gotcha like, no, that is a prohibited substance so um very interesting and i believe that's right now that's how the standard works so yeah the, there's i guess why it why it matters to me to to clear that up is because um I do hear sometimes people like take that as like, well, organic farmers don't treat their animals because they don't want to lose their certification. And that is the thing that, that bothers me. Cause I'm like, no, if your animal needs something, like you take care of it and you treat it. And the certification is, is not my priority getting that animal well and giving them what they need and working with the vet to make sure that they're taken care of is the more important thing. 
Um, and there are ways that you got to keep track, but, um, you know, there's, there's ways to, you know, make sure that, you know, that, that food isn't entering the organic system, but that animal is getting what it needs. So nobody's, nobody's neglecting anybody here just because we want to maintain our certification. Right. So we'll make sure an animal has, has what it needs. First and foremost is the most important thing. You find it to be kind of like, maybe it's probably not happening very often, but if that does happen, do you feel like that's like, like just asking as a random question, is that like a difficult thing to manage when you have one where it's like, oh, hang on, like this one is like no longer qualified, if you will. And like, just trying to manage like which ones might have needed something or, you know, now she's breeding stock and managing like open versus when she calves and who's the offspring. And do you feel like that's like a complicated kind of thing to manage or is it just like second nature for you guys now? Um, not really. I mean, it, it happens so rarely, like that's the, right. the other <laughs> bonus of having, you know, trying to be organic and trying to like work with your land and, and work with your animals and ask them what they need and farm in a way that isn't asking too much of the land or the animals like they they tend to be healthier so you know our our need for those types of interventions is usually pretty low we'll have years where nobody receives any antibiotics or you know one animal because they scratch their eye or something um so it's usually for us with you know a couple hundred animals it's not too difficult to keep track of but um yeah it's it's record keeping but again, records that you're you're probably already keeping. Most people that are in a farm business who have livestock, they're going to be keeping track of when the vet was there. And um, yeah, there's there's ways to keep track of who got what when, and you have to do it. <laughs> and that's that's part of the paperwork. So it's really not not that not that difficult once you kind of like have an idea of how the how the whole thing flows and um again not something that we're having to deal with that often because for the most part everybody stays pretty healthy you know we're really like more focused on like keeping organic management so that you know like parasites aren't an issue uh, we're moving every day we're like the sheep go to a different paddock every day during the grazing season we don't return for as long as possible to you know break that parasite cycle so um the cows are moving and getting what they need so a lot of it it's more how we're managing everything and the animals and the pastures to prevent that to begin with so um yeah we don't we don't need to do those things too often so it's really not that hard to keep track of it definitely makes it sound like maybe people are just scared at the label because of the what ifs, but it sounds like the what ifs are very infrequent and not necessarily something to be concerned about. But I really appreciate that insight into what it what it takes to run a certified organic farm because you definitely dispelled some myths that I had in my head. So great information. Yeah. Um, and I like how you mentioned, like that's as you as you said, like duh, that's why we're doing this organic farm is so that we don't need to worry about whether or not we need the medicine because our animals are healthy enough that we generally don't need to treat any of them. Um, and I think that that was a very 
you worded it much more politely than I did, but it was a great way to basically just say like, there's a reason we do this. It's because if you do it right, you don't have to worry about unhealthy animals that need treatment. So um, that's not to say that like a conventional or non-organic farm, they're just, they're not also striving for that because I mean, your animals are your livelihood and it doesn't matter if you're an organic farmer, conventional farmer, like they probably care about their animals. So um, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to like hold organic management up as like superior. I'm just, um, yeah, I think, I think everybody that's their goal is to, you know, keep their animals as healthy and as happy right. as possible. But um, right. yeah, for, for us doing that organically has been what's worked. Yeah, absolutely. And and I hope everybody listening knows that, that we're not like bashing non-organic farms because most <laughs> no, farms are, let's face it, most farms are not organic farms, right? So like most of us are not like Kelly. So, you know, we, we get it. We get it. It's everybody's good here, but um, yeah, kind of, kind of going along with that. Um, I did want to touch on your, your philosophy, your motto, whatever you want to call it of having like the plants and animals and people work together. And obviously that ties in very strongly with this concept of the organic farming. And like you mentioned, not interrupting, um, you know, natural cycles, working with natural cycles, et cetera. So um, do you feel like there's, there's any more to the story of like where that kind of motto philosophy for you guys came from? Cause you I mean, you mentioned your history that you guys met at an organic farming conference. So you guys have obviously been kind of deeply entrenched into this for quite some time, like since the beginning of your farm. Um, but you know, is there, is there like a certain like pivotal moment that really like, I don't know, concreted this in your head as like, you know, that's it. This is, this is the way we're going. This is what we believe in and kind of came to that, you know, like I said, the motto philosophy, whatever you'd like to call it for you. Um, I can't think of a specific moment and I I can't speak for Adam, but either, but I, I think is, I don't know. We've, we've both spent our entire life with animals. So we've both. um, Just always been there. Yeah. We've just both always, I think just kind of want to do right by them and right by you know, the space that you get to share with them. For you guys to just say, we've just always been, like, we can't remember, we've always been this way. That's awesome. Because that just, it's just a totally different person coming into it than somebody who's been swayed to get into it. And so I think that's a totally good answer. We'll shift a little bit then. Um, As far as when you were nominated, Holly was telling us about how you really care about the environmental issues and the climate change and the carbon sequestering and all that sort of stuff. And I am curious where that came along with your journey. So I think, I think all of us care about, you know, not having a drought or not having too much rain and we all care in a way, but it seems like you are definitely a standout person in terms of what you care about and your approach to it. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, like carbon cycle and methane cycle and all that kind of stuff and how it's, um, how, you know, like grass and pasture can sequester carbon equally as well as um, trees. And, um, you know, like I think people when they when they think about, you know, doing right for the environment and 
working on putting carbon back where it came from. They automatically think of trees, um, but mm-hmm. pasture can do that as well. Um, and animals on pasture, they're, you know, the methane's going back to that pasture in a cycle. Um, so uh, a lot of me nerding out on that was to kind of maybe like speak to the environmental movements that are absolutely no animals and that animal agriculture is incredibly destructive and only destructive. Um, I do agree that there's a lot that we do with agriculture and animal agriculture that that is destructive and we really probably should look at what we're doing and maybe make some changes. Um, but, you know, I, I do also like to say like there's there's places and ways to do it where it can be done in a way that is beneficial or does at least have kind of a net zero effect. So um, Mm -hmm. I, I just, I don't think there's any one right way for people to grow food and eat food and think about food on a really big planet. There's not one right way to do it for the whole place. And so, you know, I've just, we raise what we raise and we, graze livestock and raise meat animals because that's what works best on the land that we have access to. And um, I feel like, you know, we have responsibility to, to do the best we can to make sure we're not only taking away from that land and, you know, just extracting from it. So You have painted for us an awesome picture of kind of what you do and how you do it. Um, You know, the importance of the organic and how that ties into like your whole life philosophy that clearly has been there since the beginning, wherever it came from, who knows, you know, but we want to shift gears just a little bit here. Uh, And we want to know how it felt to be honored as the farm queen this week. I'm trying to be better about, being in the spotlight um, I really don't like it <laughs> get really uncomfortable I'm pretty quick to like try and shift conversations back to other people most of the time I think so um yeah it was a little bit like oh me really uh I don't know um but it's it's important to to say yes to good things that can help people learn more about like what's going on right here with agriculture close to home and I don't know it was pretty pretty humbled that Holly thought that I was living a life and doing something that I should be considered for it so um yeah I thought that was pretty cool and um it was it was kind of neat because my my son was there when Holly came to transfer the crown over and he is immediate response was like well if you're the farm queen then i'm the farm prince and Aww. i just love the like just the effortless like childishly joyful ability to just be self-affirming and i for a second i was like you know he's right like he's able to just be like cool i i'm i've got part of this too and um you know i think you know women tend to like maybe a lot of the time not 
want a spotlight. And I was like, you know what, if he can do it, I, I can, and I should. Um, yeah, I was, I was nervous and humbled and I don't know. I thought it was pretty, I think this whole thing's pretty cool. I'm just going to say, I love your son's response. And he yeah. also needs to get a finger wagged in his face and say, Hey, don't steal your mom's thunder. <laughs> it is the farm so- queen podcast. We don't have room for farm princes right now. Sorry. <laughs> tell him to back off. It's not his crown. And I will also tell you that if your son immediately jumps on it, then what that tells me is that he sees mom and he sees what she's doing every day. And he knows that you deserve it. Do you have a common misconception that you've encountered about women in agriculture that you could share with us? Yeah, this I wasn't really sure what to say for this. Um, I mean, yeah, I feel lucky. Like I, there are people in parts of the world where I could not pursue what I'm doing, um, and so I feel really lucky that I live in a time and a place that allows me to to do this. I can put on pants and wear a baseball cap and drive my truck, and nobody not too many people really give me a hard time about it. Um, so yeah. And I mean, I've had plenty of the, like, Oh, you help your husband on the farm, do you? And Mm. (laughs) maybe a little less more the last couple of years, but, um, that's okay because you know, that's, it's just a nice chance to maybe set somebody straight. Like, Oh no, we, we both farm. We, we do it equally. Um, I, I guess like, Maybe I, I wonder sometimes those of us that are really like, truly like farming for a living, um, like we're so busy and like, so in the middle of all of it, that I don't know if we always do a good job of sharing what we really do and how we're really kind of at the heart of it and like really in the middle of all the, the real raw gross difficult heavy lifting aspects of it um and so you know we don't get a lot of representation which is why this podcast is cool um and otherwise like people just kind of see maybe the the people that have 10 chickens and you know six goats that have time to be on social media and have time to like kind of fix themselves up and make sure that their shot is good and um get out there and so people kind of no wonder have this idea that like farm women just kind of like putter around doing like fun farm things in their spare time Mm -hmm. um so there's nothing wrong with that at all of course but um i don't know i think maybe like the misconception is that you know that a lot of people a lot of the women i know that are farming some of them that have been on this this podcast and ones that will be in the future like they're really in the middle of it all um and you know are just doing equal amounts as anybody else on the farm um and um i don't know that you you always get to see that or realize that because they're so busy doing it (laughs) i don't know i don't know if that's really anything very different no, it is. That's a that's a great answer. You're not the first one who's mentioned 
Um, that's definitely been a, a repeating theme of like farm women are just as, you know, entrenched in the day to day as the men are, if not more oftentimes, honestly, at least, <laughs> at least the women that we've talked to quite a number of them are, are actually, you know, farming on their own. Even it's a, it's been a common, common kind of thread of like, we're in it, we're doing it. We're helping break those stereotypes. Can you tell us something that you wish your customers knew about the life of a farm woman? Our customers are so integral to what we do because we are a small farm. We are not a commodity farm. If we don't have people that like seek us out and stick by us, we don't exist. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, like I wish my customers knew how much I love them sometimes. Um, Maybe they do. I I don't know because I know like I go offline and I drop balls and I disappear and it is just usually because I'm really tired. Um, and I think that might happen for, for other farm women as well. Like we're, I think to, to maybe do this life, you have a tendency and to be like a caretaker and a nurturer and uh, a giver. And I think a lot of us probably give more of ourselves than we should sometimes and mm-hmm. end up little a little tired and a little worn down um and I know personally that results in me dropping balls and maybe not being as good at relaying how much we appreciate our customers and how much we we need them and how much they're with me every day while I'm working um just you know, like we do this for the land and we do it for the animals and we do it for the, the wildlife in the woods that get to be there because of how we farm as well. We don't have to say like, get out of here. Um, but, you know, we, we do it for, for people too, who, you know, want to be able to eat food that they enjoy, that works well for them. Um, and maybe don't, want to feel like shamed for that. I hear you. I like how you worded that of, you know, maybe my customers don't realize how much I'm thinking of them when I'm out there on the farm doing what I do. And I, I think that you're, you're maybe one of the first Queens that's actually said that. Um, but I, I know you're not the first queen or the first farmer that we think that because yeah, we, um, we don't do all this extra work to feed our families and all of these other families because we just, I mean, yes, it's an enjoyable line of work or we wouldn't keep doing it. It's enjoyable to us at least. I know it doesn't look that way from the outside, but (laughs) we definitely would save a lot of our energy expenditure if we didn't have 90 cows. Cause I feel pretty confident that your family could get by with a lot less than 90 cows. (laughs) I feel like, yeah, you know, it, it just, it scales up the more animals you have, the more people you are trying to feed, the more work you have to do in a day in a week in a month, the less downtime you have. So yeah, I think you worded that perfectly of, I, I love that one piece. And I hope every customer hears that and knows that about every small farmer that they support. They don't realize how much we are thinking about our customers when we do what we do, when we're out there every day getting sweaty and dirty or cold or fall down in the mud with the pigs or whatever it might be. We do it for our customers as much as for anything else. So, yeah. Yeah. Because we could easily just have 20 acres and just raise food for ourselves. And Mm -hmm. um, there's days where that 
thought is really appealing. So I do want to ask before we forget, where can people find you to follow along and see what your firm is up to, learn about organic or whatever it is that they might, whatever it is that vibes with them when they come find you? Can they find you on social, website? Where can we get you? Yeah, um, we have a website. Um, It's just the farm name, CoreyBrookFarms.com. There's a blog on there that I desperately need to update, but I do like to write and I do kind of pour my heart out on there occasionally. (laughs) Um, It's been a while, but um, so that's on there. Um, You can get our farm newsletter on there. Um, Well, it's not in the newsletter. It's more like a occasionally Kelly writes to you and tells you what's going on on the farm. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Some, you know, it's like, it's a newsletter. Yeah. Yeah. Like every other week when I'm doing it well. And then like, you know, it might be four months before you hear from me again, but I do the best I can to get back on there pretty consistently. Um, We also have Facebook and Instagram. We aren't real great at updating those. It just social media doesn't, doesn't, it's not something I think to do very often, but um, I probably should do it more. But they're both uh, Corey Brook Farms is our, our Facebook and our Instagram both. And um, you, we have an online farm store on our website, so you can order things there and pick them up at markets. Um, we do two farmers markets in the summer, and then um, we like getting people to the farm too. So it's, um, we're trying to like do some more like events and stuff like that coming forward because you know i in the end would really like to take like these skills that we're learning and some of them the hard way <laughs> um, and, and share them with other people that want to do this because we need more farmers and i'd like to encourage anybody that you know was kind of born wanting to do this like go for it it would be great if you could close this interview out which has been awesome but could you close us out with Speaking to, we'll say the next, the next farm queens down the line that are listening or future farm queens or or farm queen hopefuls, what would you share with them that would be motivational, inspirational, encouraging, anything along those lines to have them keep pursuing their farm life, their farm dreams? I do think like, you know, just remembering that we really like, we're maintaining and keeping important knowledge and information alive you know like how to how to grow food is different on every corner of the earth and so we need people on every corner of the earth that know how to grow food in that place Mm. and for that place and um you know we just happen to be people that are doing it here in new york state and um i we need we need more of those people and um not everybody knows how to raise food. Not everybody can. And th- I mean, there's other people that are doing equally important, equally good work with the skills and the preferences they came onto this earth with. And so, you know, they probably also equally care about the climate and animals being treated well and land being treated well. And yeah, just doing the best you can to, to keep going with it and you know keep accumulating that knowledge and then maybe in the end, pass it on to the next person um, so that it keeps going and doesn't disappear. And we're not just a bunch of people that don't know how to feed ourselves. (laughs) I guess just 
keep going because what we're doing is important. Thanks for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, you can support our podcast by clicking the link in the description, by subscribing through your favorite podcast app, and by following us on your favorite social media platform. 